Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sake Revolution. This is America's first sake podcast. I am your host, John Puma from the Sake Notes, also the admin over at the internet sake discord and on this show i'm the guy who is not the sake samurai that would be this other guy and i am your host timothy sullivan i am a sake samurai i'm also a sake educator as well as the founder of the urban sake website and every week john and i will be here tasting and chatting about all things sake and doing our best to make it fun and easy to understand we are back. Uh, we are fresh off of our trip to Kyoto, our, our imaginary <laughs> imaginary trip to Kyoto. And I hope everybody had a good time there and got some pointers that they can use the next time they are in Kyoto. What yes. are we doing this week? Well, John, you are a graduate of the Sake Education Corner School of Sake Education. Hmm. So I, I want you to... What? I prefer to think of education as ongoing. Okay. I don't think I'm necessarily a graduate. I think that education never truly stops. But please continue. Well, after 70 plus episodes, you're you're a graduate <laughs> in, in my eyes. Oh, thank you. I have a question for you. We're going to be tackling a topic today related to sake ingredients. And I want you to think back to some of our earliest episodes when we talk about what goes into sake for ingredients. And I wanted to know if you could... Define for our listeners what Kobo is. Oh, uh, Kobo is the yeast. It is the one of the most important things that go into your sake. So, what does the what does the sake yeast do? Uh, what does the sake yeast do? The sake yeast helps to convert sugar into CO two and alcohol. That's right. Aha. Yeah. In my classes, I often call yeast the engine of fermentation. It is a microorganism that eats sugar and gives off alcohol and CO2. And we need yeast to make beer, wine, and sake. So for alcoholic fermentation, Kobo or yeast is where it's at. Right. I think it's safe to say that without Kobo, without yeast, we don't have any kind of booze. That's right. That For is, that, sure. that is a horrible world that I would not want to live in. <laughs> yes. So we're going to be talking about Kobo today, but not just any Kobo, a very special type of... Uh, not your mama's Kobo. Not your mama's Kobo. We're going to be talking about a special type of yeast. We could call it a boutique type of yeast, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and it is called... I see what you did there. <laughs> It is called Hana Kobo. Uh-huh. And Hana, from Means? my currently um, paused training in <laughs> Japanese, means flower. Flower. Right. Like So wait, fl- like, is it? So no, this is not possibly literal <laughs> flower yeast. It's F-L-O-W-E-R. Flower as in bloom. Right. Yes. Flour yeast. So these are strains of yeast that are isolated and propagated from different types of blossoms and flowers. And over the years, these have been isolated and refined and used in sake production. This is a very specialized type of yeast. Not every brewery does this. This is more specialized and unique. But 
I thought it would be fun today to, to talk about and to taste uh, sake that is made using these hanakobo or flour yeasts. Mm. Now, so there are specific sake yeasts. There are yeasts that are recognized mm. as being sake yeasts. But yes. So you're saying that some breweries just say like, Ah, we're not going to bother with that. We're, we're, we have these we have these azaleas, and we're going to go with <laughs> that with with those. It's not quite. Like I don't they think go it's literally in, azalea yeast, guys. I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> it's not like they go in the garden and pick a flower and make it in their living room. Uh, there is a program from the Tokyo University of Agriculture in Japanese. That's Tokyo. Nogyo Daigaku, which mm-hmm. is contracted as Nodai. So Nodai University is the Tokyo University of Agriculture. And for people in the sake business, graduating from Nodai is a very prestigious degree to have, a degree in sake brewing from the Tokyo University of Agriculture. And they have a flour yeast program. Oh, all right. <laughs> so they have like a dedicated program to isolating and developing flour yeasts. So they're they're actively promoting this in a, in a way, or they want more people to be exploring this. Absolutely. They've isolated over 20 different yeasts from flowers from all over the country. Mm-hmm. So there are about 20 that are in use at the moment. And it is not something that is easy to do. It takes a lot of time and a lot of patience to isolate yeast off of different blossoms, then grow it in the laboratory, test it, refine it, and make sure you get a yeast that produces an alcoholic type of fermentation with a delicious result. So the scientists and the academics at Nodai University have been working for years and years to develop this flour yeast program. And there's a number of breweries that kind of have a specialization in flour yeast. They may not use flour yeast for everything, but there's uh, several breweries that are really well known for producing some sakes using these flour yeasts. And wouldn't you know it, a lot of the brewers who run these breweries are graduates of Nodai <laughs> University. I, 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 yes, uh, I think they call that seeding. Uh, <laughs> you, you, have, you educate them on this, this new idea, and then they go and use it out in the world. Uh, and and yeah. it, seems to be, it seems to be working for them, though. And, yeah. and I do imagine that this is something that's going to be very specialized. And so if your brewery is going to be doing it, they're probably going to be really going for it because it is, it's something that's going to give a little more character, a little bit. It's going to distinguish your brewery uh, apart from others, I would say. Let's talk about that. What do you imagine flour yeast would give to the sake? Just um, hearing that on surface, like, oh, it's made with yeast cultivated from flowers. What do you think that's going to bring to the sake? How is it going to be different from regular yeast? Well, for a thousand, Alex, I'm going to say <laughs> floral. What is floral? <laughs> <laughs> what is oh, You see, I got it wrong. I did not put it in the form of a question. Right. So you're saying you think it's going to bring some floral aromatics? Right. I'd say that some characteristics of the flower will come through. And I think Mm. that that would most prominently come through in the aroma. John, I think you're very much on the right track there. 
I would say that one of the goals of brewing sake with hanakobo or flour yeast is to produce more engaging and dialed up intense aromatics. Mm. So I think that's one thing they're after is more developed aroma. Okay. That sounds very interesting. Yeah. So they're aiming for more developed aroma Mm -hmm. and maybe a little bit more acidity but it's not all fun and games. There are some <laughs> pitfalls with brewing using Hanakobo as well. Oh, pitfalls? Uh, so, so yeast yeah. isn't just yeast and it all acts the same way? That's correct. Oh. Yeah, I've read that Hanakobo is a little bit more delicate. So collecting it for off of a flower, you don't have this endless window when flowers are blooming. So the window to collect samples for propagating yeast off of different blossoms when you're trying to develop a new yeast. That window is very small. When you have a yeast isolated and you're brewing with it, it does much better when you do low and slow fermentation. So Uh low temperature for a longer period of time. Mm. So this yeast, I think you could describe it as a little bit more delicate than maybe some other types of more hearty sake yeast right and and that's why this requires a lot more expertise because you're dealing with something that is more fragile or or perhaps volatile yes excellent yeah so it's also interesting because brewers can bring in a sense of place to their sake almost a sense of terroir where you know they might have a type of flower that grows in their region and if a yeast is cultivated off of that flower then they can produce a sake influenced by this local blossom, this local bloom. And that is something that I think a lot of brewers are really fond of that go to the trouble to work with this type of hanakobo. Excellent. So they're doing this with flowers. Mm -hmm. They're making yeast. They're cultivating yeast from flowers. I I imagine this isn't going to be something that all flowers are necessarily suited for or, or desired for. What are some examples of what what are they going for? What are they making sake yeast out of? Well, I mentioned there's about 20 uh, that Noda University has worked on. And there's a few different types of flowers that uh, I've heard of that are used for making this type of flower yeast. One is the rose. A uh, vine-growing rose is is one flower. You may have heard of a rhododendron. I have. Yep, so that's one that's used. There's a very lovely pink, pale Japanese flower called the pink nadeshko, which is a very small pink blossom. Uh, believe it or not, the sunflower is also used. Sunflowers? Yeah. Contemporary, everyday, run-of-the-mill sunflowers. Just sunflowers? Yep, just sunflowers. Like the one in the song? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And that produces a very uh, deep and complex-flavored sake. That that one is not as pretty as other flower yeasts I've had, if you can imagine. Mm Mm-hmm. And another flower that you may know, a begonia. Yeah. That's very common. That's been used to make uh, Hanakobo as well. And uh, marigold is another really well-known flower. Yeah. These are, these are all very popular flowers. Yes. Yeah. Nice. And there's one 
blossom in particular that we're going to talk about today because uh, we brought a sake for tasting. And the next flower we're going to talk about is the flower that is used to make the yeast in the sake that we're tasting today. So this is a very delicate, small flower, and it is the strawberry blossom. Did you know strawberries had flower? Yes. (laughs) Well, every fruit... Yes, has to have a flower. I mean, because it, 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 that's what, it's part of a plant. But I, I so strawberries, you say. I yes. happen to really like strawberries. Yes. So we're going to put a photo of the strawberry blossom in our show notes if you want to check it out. It is a very small white flower with five petals, and it flowers briefly. And the sake that we have today uses yeast that was cultivated from strawberry blossoms. Mm. So really interesting and unique. And have you ever heard of the language of flowers? Um, I've, I've never had a conversation with one. <laughs> well, there's a language of flowers, meaning that if you give somebody a certain flower, there's an assigned meaning to different flowers. Like a rose can be a symbol of love, romantic love feelings. Sure. That one I know. Okay. (laughs) And there is uh, the language of flowers for strawberry blossoms as well. So they symbolize respect and love, a happy family. And the message, if you give somebody strawberry blossoms, is you make me happy. Oh. Isn't that nice? That is nice. I've never heard that before, but I like it. Yeah, so there's a different language of flowers for all different types of blossoms. So uh, I thought that was interesting. And uh, John, do you want to introduce the brewery and the sake that we're going to be tasting today with this flower yeast situation? Sure, sure. So the name of the brand is the same as the name of the brewery, which is something we haven't had in a little while, I think. This is... Amabuki Shuzo, and the brand is Amabuki. And this is made in Saga Prefecture, which is in Kyushu. And this is their Amabuki Strawberry Yeast Junmai Ginjo Nama. Mm. Mm. So Junmai Ginjo is our classification grade. And Nama, again, that means not pasteurized. Absolutely, not pasteurized. Right. This one is using omachi rice. Oh, this is going to be fun. The alcohol percentage is 16.5. The semi-buai, or the remaining rice after milling, is 55%. The acidity is 1.8. And the sake meter value, that gauge of your dry to your sweet, is plus one. So pretty neutral, I want to say. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see what this strawberry blossom yeast brings to the party. But we have to remember, we also have the unpasteurized situation going on as well. Yeah. Yeah, and the omachi rice situation going on There's a lot well. going on here. And yes. <laughs> without having a tremendous number of descriptors, it's still like the omachi is going to be a curveball. The strawberry blossom yeast is going to be interesting. And the nama yeah. is going to bring something to the table just want to say one thing about Amabuki that separates this brewery from 
other breweries that are using Hanakobo or this flower yeast, Amabuki is a brewery that went all in. All chips on the table, all, all in. in. So this is it. This is, the, they, this is their thing. This is their thing. Every sake that Amabuki Brewery makes uses Hanakobo. So huh. it goes without saying that Mr. Kinoshita, the president, is a graduate of Nodai <laughs> University <laughs> as well. Well, of course um, he is. <laughs> of course he is. But uh, he drank the Kool-Aid, so to speak, mm. at Nodai. He drank the Kobo. And <laughs> he drank the Kobo. <laughs> and uh, he, he has devoted his brewery to the exploration and investigation of what this Hanakobo can achieve. So I think that's fascinating. Every sake they make has a different flower. So they have a sunflower, they have a begonia, uh, they have a rose. So it's it's very interesting. And you and I are going to be tasting the same sake today. We're going to be tasting their strawberry blossom. So mm. should we get into it? Yes, let's get into it. Okay, so John, before we op- crack this open, yes, we have to describe the bottle. So this is a blue glass bottle. Mm-hmm. So oh, th- this is the one in the blue bottle. <laughs> this is that one in the blue bottle. <laughs> um, I-, I do want to make reference to our, our episode on sake labels. Uh, it was specifically an episode on cute sake labels, but this is a striking bottle. It's a very striking and very nice bottle. And it has a little bit of, of, of cuteness on it, too. The, the Nama kanji is actually shown uh, in a silhouette of a, of a little strawberry. And it's really nice. Yes. <laughs> and the label is pink. And the label is pink. And Amabuki does the thing where they have a really nice, really artistic looking kanji. And the labels are all different colors. So you really know right off the bat... If you've had this one before, if you liked it and you want to have it again, it's very easy to keep track of Amabuki sakes when you're a foreigner who doesn't necessarily understand all of the lingo that's going on. Yep. So if you find Amabuki and the label is pink with the blue bottle, that is our strawberry blossom (laughs) yeast. Yes. All right. Who knew that that was going to be the strawberry one? (laughs) Think pink, John. Thinking pink. All right, so we've got this in the glass. And I'm going to say, first off, the pinkness is only label deep. There's no pinkness in the sake. <laughs> uh, it is it is quite clear. And I think there's a, a tiny bit of off-whiteness to it. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I see just this the slimmest bit of a haze in there. Remember, this is an unpasteurized sake. So there, there is probably no charcoal filtering here. Um, Nama and Maroka usually go hand in hand. So it's not indicated on the bottle, but I would venture a guess this may be a Maroka or non charcoal filtered as well. Mm -hmm. You're you're absolutely Um, right about those going hand in hand though. Yeah. All right. Well, it looks beautiful in the glass. Let's give it a smell. Ooh, that that nama. <laughs> it is a nama, unpasteurized aroma. Yes, the, there is a very yeah. distinct aroma that you get from a lot of unpasteurized sake. 
and this is it. How would you describe it? Ooh, I always have a hard time, Tim. How would you describe you, you it? Know it? You know it when you I smell it. I know it when I see yeah, I know it. I know it when I smell it. It's, it's, oh, this is Nama. It's very much like that. It's a, I have a hard time describing it, but I know it when it's in my nose. <laughs> so it, it, it is a little bit difficult to describe what a Nama unpasteurized sake smells like, but it's bold, it's strong, and it has a little bit of a rich concentrated aroma it's the opposite of what light and airy would be (laughs) (laughs) very much so (laughs) yeah so it's it's rich it's concentrated this has a little bit of fruitiness going on so there there's some concentrated fruit uh, not tropical airy breezy fruits but more rich a little bit heavy very much a classic unpasteurized aroma going mm-hmm. on here very much really so. interesting it's, it's, but it, it's it, there when i smell this nama aroma it leads me to think like oh i've got something rich and impactful coming my way when i sip on it that's absolutely yeah absolutely all right mm-hmm. well let's see mm. oh my gosh juicy mm-hmm. fruity juicy sweet free and you know, acknowledging that there's a difference between sweet and fruity. This is both. Mm-hmm. They are hand in yeah. hand. And this, the Nama aspect of it is is really just bringing it forward. It is so big. Mm. The uh, All of those, um, all those flavors are dialed up to 11. The juiciness, mm. the fruitiness. It's rich too. Do you know when you, when you have cotton candy and the cotton candy gets a little wet and mm. it gets really concentrated? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think it's I see like, where you're going with this. Yeah, it's like if regular fruit is like regular cotton candy, when you have dried fruit or, or fruit roll-ups or something like that, it's a little more concentrated. And if you get cotton candy wet or it comes in contact with moisture, it gets really concentrated and focused in flavor. It's kind of like Nama or unpasteurized sake does that as well, where it takes the fruit flavor and really condenses it and concentrates it. There's nothing here to mellow it out or loosen it up, and you get a full focused blast of that fruitiness. Totally. It's a really nice trick they're doing here where you're just getting that, you know, like that blast <laughs> and a little bit of everything in here. And it's, and we mentioned earlier that there's so many different factors this yeast, this, the fact that it's a Nama, the, the Omachi rice, which I think the Omachi rice, at least to me, I don't notice it as much. I feel like it's a little underrepresented. It's like maybe overshadowed by these other things, but maybe that's necessary to make this happen the way it is. Like, you know, maybe there is something going on that the Omachi is bringing to it that is just being interpreted differently. Also at 16.5, this is a little bit higher in alcohol than what we usually have. Not, not tremendously so, but it's just a, a, a notch and it's presenting as juicy and fruity and wild. This is a, a really exciting sake. Okay, John, I have a really important question for you. Do you taste strawberry? Um, not really. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I really want to. I want to taste strawberry when I have this, but I don't. Right. <laughs> I do taste like, you know, um, non-strawberry fruits. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it is juicy and it is, you know, it is big and different. But I don't get specifically strawberries. Right. 
do you get strawberries? No. Okay. And <laughs> I think when people are introduced to this sake and you say, oh, this is made with yeast from strawberry flowers, they sip it and they're like, oh, strawberry flavor. I love it. And they're People can be very suggestible when it comes to <laughs> flavors. Mm -hmm. And I don't get overt strawberry flavors here. But there is a fruitiness and there's an aroma that is indicative of floral yeast, hanakobo, and the expression of this yeast, the alcohol that this yeast microorganism is producing is unique and interesting and nuanced. And I think that's really the focus. It's not one for one. You use yeast from the vine rose and then your sake smells like a potpourri of rose. No, it doesn't work that way. No, no not quite. Not but, quite. But uh, it's all about the nuance and the layering of the aromatics that you can get with Hanakobo. I don't know if you agree, but I think this is one of the really standout examples of flower yeast that I've had. I really like it. Yeah. One thing I'm noticing on this that I really want to get out there. So the finish is long. This is a very long finish. And the longer it goes, it, it kind of, I get a lot more of an impression of like a candied fruit in the back, like it kind of in the back of my mouth. And it's really interesting. It's just, it's, it's that, it's the residuals from that juicy start, I think, just kind of slowly, you know, working their way through your palate and slowly as you're not drinking anymore, as, it, as it's working its way down to the back of your throat, that it's still kind of playing around there. You're still getting that impression from it. And it's so interesting. It's so different. Yeah, I call that candied aspect to some sweeter fruity sakes i call it like the fruit roll-up effect yeah. you know it's like yeah. the, that that really concentrate almost jammy you know? almost yeah but i'm only yeah. getting that kind of well it's in the beginning it's very juicy and then to finish i'm getting that really mm. it's the feeling i have after i eat a fruit roll-up or something like that that residual <laughs> sugar yeah. sort of uh, situation and it's it's not unwelcome at all it's very nice um yeah. now this is big and bold and fruity and but also has nice depth to it. What kind of food are you going to put in front of this sake? Mm, that's a great question. This has a lot of variables going on. Yeah. We have the Hanakobo aspect. We have the Nama aspect. We have the higher alcohol. We have the Omachi rice. So there's a whole lot, whole lot of cooks in this kitchen. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. So for me, honestly, what stands out most prominently kind of juts itself to the front of the the group is the fact that this is a nama sake like that for me that really stands out in front mm -hmm. so i would want to pair this as i do with other types of nama sakes and this has a little bit of sweetness to it as well and that little bit of a juicy characteristic so there's a few things that I really like with these sweeter, juicy namas that may be a little bit surprising. If you have these with something that has a little bit of heat to it, a little bit of spice, believe mm. it or not, there's a great cooling effect for sweetness on spicy things. So that's something I really like. You know, one thing that just, this just popped into my head, but if you had like 
a little bit of mild cheese on a cracker with maybe jalapeno jam or something on there. Mm. Just something with, you know, not overtly spicy, but just something with a little piquant, a little hint of something spicy. And you sipped on this cooling, juicy, lightly sweet, um, fruity sake. That sounds like a really good pairing to me. And I always recommend namas as like something to greet your guests with. This is not a sake you could probably drink all night with every course of the meal, but as a way to get people started, have something really impactful and juicy and fresh and say, try this in a wine glass when they, the moment they walk in the door, like that's something I really love to do with namas as well. Mm. What, do, what do you think about that? I think that's a really good idea. Mm. This definitely falls into that category of something that you can't really just sit on the couch and sip all night. It's not going mm. to just disappear. It's deliberate. You have to be, you have to want it. <laughs> like this is, this sake, there's a lot going on. You can't just kind yeah. of forget about it and sip it idly. It's so yeah. impactful. It's got some weight to it, yeah, right? It definitely does. I think that your idea about greeting guests with it makes a lot of sense. Makes a really great impression also. And mm-hmm. guests, man, remember we had guests? That was nice. <laughs> These, these are, I, I've been having a lot of fantasy dinner parties in my head, but <laughs> I'm still waiting for your housewarming. <laughs> yes. He's gonna be mo- you're going to be moving out by the time you have that. <laughs> <laughs> Coming eventually. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, um, I think this Amabuki strawberry yeast sake is such a cool and interesting sake and a great first step into the world of exploring flower yeasts. So much going on, so many ways to approach this sake. And just really, it's a crowd pleaser too. I've been at events where this sake has been served and people are like, wow, what is this? You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's so impactful and, you know, easy, easy to wrap your head around the flavor because it's right there in your face and so approachable and, um, really engaging. And then the story about the yeast and how they did that is just, it's really uh, yeah, attractive. Yeah. So it is, it is. We've been tasting the strawberry blossom, but they have a whole bouquet of <laughs> different, <laughs> different flowers. A they bouquet. have apple blossom. <laughs> they have, oh, we didn't do the bouquet pun. Like you, you, made, a, has you a, made a similar pun at the I beginning though. Be. I think that well, counts. Okay. This brewery uses sunflower, begonia, marigold, apple blossom, a rose, rose. ablia. ablia? Uh, there's a, a beautiful flower called queen of the night, which almost looks like a lotus blossom. Mm. And there's another uh, beautiful flower called the marvel of Peru that they use. It's beautiful. So you can visit the Amabuki website and see all the different flowers. And they explain the language of the flowers to tell you the message that each different flower uh, gives you. For example, the sunflower is, I only see you. It's a symbol of adoration and devotion. Hmm. Like you're the sun of my solar system, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, John, do you think you're going to be exploring more sakes that use flower yeast? Um, probably. So I, I am uh, already very familiar with the, the Amabuki line, and they make some fantastic sakes. 
and they're very unique for the most part. A lot of Amabuki sake doesn't taste like other sake, and I really like that we got to explore one of the reasons why, is they're using ingredients that very few other breweries really do. And I think that's yeah. interesting, and I think that's what one thing that really sets them apart from the crowd. Yeah, but there there are some other breweries that deserve an honorable mention. Ooh. Maybe I could just mention a few brands. Absolutely. They are not completely 100% devoted to flour yeast, but they're using uh, flour yeast for some of their sake. So if you want to explore beyond Amabuki, there's uh, Harada Shuzo in Gifu. Mm -hmm. There's Raifuku Brewery in Ibaraki, Tenju in Akita, Tenryo in Gifu, Rihaku from Shimane, mm -hmm. and there's also Tajima from Fukui. So these are all breweries that I believe are connected to uh, Nodai University and have some of their products using flour yeast. So if you see any sakes from these breweries and you want to explore flour yeast more, be sure to check them out. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a brave new world out there with flour yeast. Go try it's, it out. Go have some sake uh, with some interesting different yeast. Yes, a, a new era is blossoming. <laughs> he got his pun in, everybody. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Well, John, that was so much fun. Who knew that yeast could be so interesting? Well, we knew that yeast would be interesting. I just didn't realize that you can get it from a flower. <laughs> Who knew you could get yeast from a flower? Mm. I think that is super interesting. And uh, I'm going to be seeking out more Hanakobo sake for sure. All right. All well, right. it was great tasting with you. Uh, it was really fun tasting the same sake again and talking about this Amabuki strawberry. Uh, so thanks so much, John. And I also want to thank our listeners very much for tuning in and listening again this week. We really do hope that you're enjoying our show. If you'd like to show your support for Sake Revolution right now, the best way to help us out would be to consider backing us on Patreon. We're a listener-supported show without advertisements, and we really rely on our patrons to help us bring Sake Revolution to you every week. And in lieu of backing us on Patreon, there are a lot of other ways you can support us. Listening to the show right now, you're supporting us, telling your friends is supporting us, and of course, uh, writing a very, very glowing review. Now, be honest. Write a review on your podcast platform of choice. Let people know what you think of the show, and that will get the word out about what we're doing over here. And as always, to learn more about any of the topics or sakes or flowers we talked about in today's episode, be sure to visit our website, sakerevolution.com, for all the detailed show notes. And for all of your burning sake or flower questions, uh, we have an email address for you. Please send those emails to us at feedback at sakerevolution.com. You send the emails, we will read the emails, and they really do influence a lot of our show ideas, believe it or not. So until next time, please remember, do not forget to keep drinking sake and kampai.